cannot serve God and money. That's uh, Matthew 6.24, and Don read it for us earlier. And what's interesting is over the past week, a little bit more than a week, I have uh, been thinking about this passage, been thinking about this passage in, in Matthew 6 in a little bit different of a way. Uh, I, I, I'll readily admit that contentment is something that I struggle with. There are a lot of things in life that are just really cool. You know, I wish I had, you know, a new pair of shoes. I wish I could, you know, go do that fun thing. I wish I could do this, have that. I, I want stuff, you know. And I, I, although I understand, you know, if I had more money, I could buy more things. I understand that's not really the problem. Like, I have enough emotional intelligence to understand that my problem is a lack of contentment, not a lack of stuff. And that if I got more things or I went and experienced more things, that wouldn't solve my problem because I would still have this lack of contentment. And so I, I decided a while ago I wanted to preach about contentment because I'm, you know, for personal reasons, I, I have a stake in this. I want to know how to be a more content person. And as I started to study this, I, I was really struggling because it's, it's kind of difficult. There are a lot of passages about not being greedy and there are a lot of passages about, you know, uh, being, being content, but very few that are really explain how do you do that? And so I was, I was pondering this as I, I looked through my sermon book one day, different ideas uh, that I, you know, jotted down that I thought I should write, that I should do a sermon about. And one of them was contentment in our relationship with God. But contentment in our relationship for, with God in a negative sort of way. That uh, we decide, you know what, I, I'm, maybe complacency is a better word. That, you know, I, I've got enough spirituality going on in my life. I've done enough. I know God well enough. I'm, I can just, just cruise. And obviously we understand that doesn't work in our relationships with people. Like if I just decided after you know, two years of marriage with Leah that, oh, uh, you know, I know her well enough now and I've done enough nice things for her. I could just, just chill for a while. I don't, need to really, I don't really need to be pursuing a deeper relationship with her. That would be a problem. And so while, of course, there is an element of, of contentment in our relationships that's really good, that, you know, I want to be happy in my marriage with my wife. And of course I am, but there's another element of contentment in my marriage and in the same way in my relationship with God that uh, it can be bad, that I don't want to be happy with where I am. I want to be pushing on. I want to be growing. I want there to be something more. And so I recognized then that maybe contentment isn't always necessarily a good thing, that sometimes uh, being happy with what we have it can, can set us back. It can put us in a rut that leads to complacency. And so with all of these kinds of things in mind, uh, I came back to Matthew 6, where it says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And what I recognized and what became kind of the, the basis for our sermon this morning is that if you're content with, the, with your relationship with God, if, if you've said, you know what, I don't really need any more spirituality in my life, you're going to be discontent with the things that you have. And if you want to be content with the things that you have in your life, then you need to, you need to, to find a flame to stoke 
some kind of discontentment, a a lack of complacency, a lack of laziness, a, a need for more. Because I think God gave us naturally a need for more, a a hunger inside of us that wants more and more and more and is never satisfied. And I think that oftentimes we do the wrong thing with that. We point it towards stuff. We say, oh, I want, you know, more things. I want to go on more adventures. I want more and more earthly things. But that intention has a good purpose. We just need to direct it. This desire for more, more, more that is never satisfied is intended to be used on God. I want more holiness. I want to know more about God. I want to be deeper in his word. I want to be doing more in the kingdom, more, more, more. And you're never satisfied. And there's, a, there's something useful there. And I have to say, I, I tried really hard this week to, to force my brain to kind of to, to do both, to uh, seek, uh, to, to be discontent with my things and discontent with, with God as like a thought experiment. I couldn't do it. Uh, that either uh, I can say, man, I really, you know, I, I, I pray and I, I'm thinking about God's things and I, I want more uh, of God in my life. And in those times, I, I can't then jump over and say, oh man, I you know, really wish I had this you know, new, new car or whatever. I'm just like, no, God, God's got me taken care of. And on the flip side, if I'm you know, really focused on all the things that I want, then it, it, it drowns out my need and my desire for more of God. Uh, and you can go on a, a long trail, you can follow it you know, as, in spiritual things. You know, if, you, if you do more praying, then you're going to do more reading. And then if you do more reading and more praying, then you're going to do more uh, you know, work in God's kingdom. And that, that you will follow that more route and down the spiritual route. And of course, we know the same thing can happen in our desire for physical things that, you know, I want to go on this, to this place. And if I go to this place, why well, I have to get, you know, a new outfit or I have to get a camera or I have to get these things. I need more, more, more. And you, you keep going down the trail. But it's, it's one or the other. Either you want more God or you want more physical things. And so while I'm certainly aware that that is not exactly what Jesus meant when he said no one can serve God and money, there's something in there at the root of it that is true in, in, in both of these cases, that you can either be dissatisfied with the things that you have and want more things, or you can be dissatisfied with where you are in your relationship with God and you can want more and you can seek him. And so with all of that said, uh, let me sum up my introduction with a quote from the amazing C.S. Lewis. And this is uh, ultimately uh, kind of what led to the final form this sermon took and also the title for our sermon. C.S. Lewis says in his sermon on the weight of glory, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. I love this because I think that this is so true, that God offers us eternal life in the presence of the creator. And so often we're like, you know what, I'm just... Just not that interested in that. You know, I'd much rather, you know, work on my career or I'd much rather do this. And we, we get focused on earthly things when God is offering us so much. And we just say, oh, you know what? 
I'm, you know, God, I'm, I'm happy with where we are right now. You know, I, I don't really need to, to push further in my spiritual life. And C.S. Lewis is pointing out, and I'm going to be pointing out this morning, that we need to want more. We are far too easily pleased. And so this morning, I want to talk about finding contentment in your life by choosing to be discontent with where you are spiritually and wanting more, more, more of God. And so there are four ways in which we're going to look at this this morning. The first is more knowledge. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. This is a prayer. Paul begins in verse 1, but then uh, he gets sidetracked, as Paul sometimes does. And so he picks up in Ephesians 3, verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14, we're going to read 14 through 19. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That ultimately, what Paul wants for these people, what he's praying for them, is that they will have more of Christ in their life. But he says, here's how this is going to work. God is going to fill you with, uh, with strength from the Spirit so that you are capable of knowing more. So that way, in knowing more, then, verse 19, that the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge is what you will know, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So when we know more about God, it allows us to be filled more with Him. And the more we're filled with Him, the more we're able to know about Him. But what I love about here, what, what I love about this prayer that Paul has is that there are two comprehension words in here. First, he says in verse 18 that he prays that they will have strength to comprehend, first, uh, you know, knowing word, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, that he wants them to know fully, I believe, uh, the love of Christ. Uh, he uses knowledge words twice. Uh, in 19, to know, again, that Uh, knowledge word, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So this is what I was talking about in in our introduction here. We have within us a desire that is never satisfied. It is constantly wanting more and more and more and more. And I would just posit to you that a a terrific direction to put a desire for more and more and more. Uh, a, A thirst that can never be quenched requires a well that never runs dry. And if you're looking for that, then the love of Christ, knowing the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge is a terrific ambition for a desire for more and more and more. And so uh, when we have this feeling of of wanting more, we need to direct it in the proper way. And wanting to know more about God is, is a terrific place to put it. Of course, we see in the Psalms, many times they talk about this with uh, the Torah of God in Psalm 19. The rules, uh, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. That He wants the word of God. Psalm 119, same sort of thing. We're going to actually turn over there. Psalm 119. And 
And we're going to read verses, verse 20. We'll start there. Psalm 119, verse 20. Here's what the author says. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. I mean, you talk about that, the desire that is never satisfied. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. This is what we're looking for. Also, let's start, let's read verse 35. He says, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. This is what we're talking about here. He says that right now, my eyes are looking at worthless things. I'm focused on this life. I'm focused on the small things. I am desiring light, this life's stuff. And he says, turn my eyes from that. Point me to you. I want to delight in your testimonies. That's, that's what he wants. And this is what we can do if we point our eyes toward God, if we, if we decide, look, I don't, I don't know God's word well enough. I want to know more. I want to dive deeper into his word. And what I also love about this passage and why I uh, chose to kind of end this point on this one is uh, I listened to a, a phenomenal sermon uh, by Zach Redman when he did the uh, gospel meeting at Prince Street a couple weeks ago. And it was about, uh, it was called something like, Help, I Don't Want to Pray, uh, which I, I relate. And one of the things that it, he was talking about is that this passage right here, verses 36 and 37, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. This morning, we're going to be talking about deeply desiring God, deeply desiring the things of God. And sometimes uh, that can be a little bit abstract. You can say, man, you know, I would love to want to pray a lot more. I would love to just dive deeper into God's word. I, I want that desire in me. I don't know how to get the desire. And one of the things that I love here is that we see the psalmist just asking God, give me the desire. If you want to want to serve God, then ask him to put that heart inside of you. That when we are, you know, distracted by the things of this life, what we need is more desire for God's word. We need to direct it toward him. Because that is ultimately one of the rewards of heaven. We sing the song, When I Get Home. And one of the lines in it takes its, uh, its uh, inspiration from this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. I love this passage. But it reminds us that one of the aims of eternal life is to know God fully as we have been fully known. It's incredible. And so diving in for deeper knowledge, more knowledge, that's one of the things that's going to help us direct our desire for more and more and more in this life. Second thing. We can desire more work. Of course, Jesus tells his apostles, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. God has given us a desire that is never quenched because he's given us a job that's never done. Paul, as he, uh, he is speaking to the uh, Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he is telling them, here's what you should desire. In verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. 
and I will show you a more excellent way. In chapter 14, verse 1, he tells them, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He says, what you should desire is that God will equip you with what you need to do his work. In this case, it's prophesying or, you know, speaking in tongues, doing, uh, having the skills that God gives us to do his work. Because that's how work gets done. God gives evangelists this gift of evangelism. God gives teachers the gift of, of teaching. And so teachers teach, evangelists evangelize, prophets prophesy. That's what we do. And so when we want to be more involved in the service of God, then we need to earnestly desire these gifts that God gives us to be put into his work and not for the glory of man. I mean, that's what the problem was in Corinth, that they wanted these gifts so that they would look really cool. But we need to understand, of course, that the only glory that's really going to satisfy us is the glory that God gives us in the, in the last day, in the new Jerusalem. We will receive a glory that, that truly fills us up. But until then, none of this earthly glory is really going to do anything. But we need to desire the gifts so we can get to work. Paul, you can see just in the way that he lives, he's, he's never satisfied. He's never done. In uh, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, Paul is he's kind of going back and forth about whether he thinks that he's going to die or not. And this is what he says. Philippians 1, we'll read verses 22 through 26. He says... If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all uh, for for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul, who did so much in this life to serve the cause of Christ, he's, he's looking at his life and he says, you know what? I think I've still got more work to do. I think God is going to give me more time because I'm not done yet. There's still more work to be done. Paul had this desire and he was exercising it regularly. We'll uh, go back to 1 Corinthians this time, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we see Paul, he's not satisfied with uh, the, the people that he's, he's yet spoken to. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, he says in verses 16 through 23, he says, Though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I may win more of them. To the Jews I become a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I may win those under the law. Verse 21. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I may win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I may win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I may save some. I I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. It's really easy for us as Christians, it's easy for me at least, to look at the the work that we've done, to look at the people around us and say, you know what, you know, I've talked to my family about the gospel. I've talked to my friends, my like-minded peers about the gospel. I mean, I've done my work. And Paul, he says, listen, I'm a Jew. I'm a preach to the Jews. But I'm under the law of Christ and the Gentiles, they're under the law of Christ. So look, I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles. Weak, I'll be weak. Strong, I'll be strong. You know, old, young, it doesn't matter. Paul says there's more people I can speak to 
There's, there's more left in me. Paul has this innate desire to do more in the kingdom of God. And God gave him ample opportunity to do so much for him because that's what Paul wanted to do. And that desire for more that is never satisfied, that there's more work to be done, that is a, a beautiful avenue for us to use this, this desire that God has put in us for more and more and more. And when we see, again, this time back in uh, Philippians, when we see Paul thinking about his life in Philippians 4, he says in verse 10, Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, but I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul is aware. He says, this is the secret to being content in life. My sufficiency comes from Christ. And Paul, he was busy constantly doing the work of God. And he found contentment in doing God's work and letting the other things come second. It's almost like Jesus said something about that. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Paul understood that. Paul lived that out. When we are busy in kingdom work, then that is where we will find contentment. Now, let me say, uh, just as I conclude this point, lest you uh, are concerned I fall into the classic preacher trap of, you know, constantly you know, desiring to be out in the world and neglecting my family, I also understand, and this is important for all of us, that our family is also an avenue of ministry that God has given us, that, that husbands are to love their wives, that parents are to train up their children in the way they should go. And just like work in the kingdom, work in your family. You, you don't just teach your kids one day and then it, it's all over. Okay, boom, checked it off the list. No, it's a constant endeavor. There is, it's never done. And so God gave us a desire for something that is never quite satisfied because he gave us a task that is never complete. And so we are here to constantly keep working to do more in the kingdom of God. So we've got more knowledge, more work. Let me add to this, more holiness. And of course, we get some, some big asks of us in the Bible. In uh, first, uh, first Peter, he says, be holy as I am holy, of course, you know, quoting from Leviticus. In uh, the Sermon on the Mount, God, Jesus says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a, that's a, a big request. That's a, and not even a request, like, he says, you must be perfect. That's, that's a commandment. It's a big commandment. And so it can be easy, again, for us to, to just be content being a good person. And the thing about being a good person, well, there's two things about being a good person. One is that when you're a good person, you get the glory. Because everyone's like, man, he's a good person. But when you're a holy person, when you are not satisfied with the amount of work God has done in your life, and you are seeking more holiness, God gets the glory. Because God is the one doing the work. Similarly, um, being a good person is not that hard. Because, there, it, I mean, let's face it, we live in a world full of people that are not very good. And so it's, it doesn't take, I mean, just a little bit of Jesus is enough to make you a good person. But we're not satisfied with a little bit of Jesus. We want all of him. We want his whole word. We want him to transform our life. 
And so being a good person, it's a job, it's easy to do. You can check it off, you're done. But being holy, being transformed by God, that's a lifelong endeavor. Paul talks about this at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27, we know these passages well. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners race, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says, even after all the work Paul has done, he's like, I'm still working on me. I still need more self-control. I'm still pursuing. I need more holiness. I'm not done. And so God has given us the desire that is never satisfied because he's given us, again, a task of being transformed by him that we're never done with. We need more holiness all the time. We see, uh, as we conclude this point here, in 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Peter, sorry, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter lists some virtues for us. He tells us that because we have these promises of God that we have uh, escaped the corruption of the world, he says in verse 5 of 2 Peter 1, verse 5, for this very reason, making every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and your virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, steadfast with, with steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say in verse 8? If these qualities are yours and increasing... We say oftentimes about a Christian, if you're not growing, you're dying. Same is true for a plant. If you're not growing, you're dying. And that's what, that's what Peter's saying. Listen, if these are yours and increasing, more holiness, we got to keep trying. Our job is never done. And so if we have a desire for more and more and more, put it toward more holiness. Lastly, and this one's kind of obvious, more God. I want to know him deeper. I want to be more transformed with him. I want a relationship with him. I mean, this goes without saying, but we're created for relationships. God made us. He made uh, us to be in communities. He made uh, you know, mothers and fathers and, and families and parents and neighbors. God put us together. And he said of Adam, what? That it's not good for man to be alone. And this is, of course, true for the family, but it is even more true for God that we are not made to live without God. And so... As we live our lives, again, going to the family for a metaphor, as we live our lives with our families, we can never be satisfied and say, oh, you know what? I already know them well enough. I can stop working on my relationship with them. No, we keep spending time with them. We keep learning more about them. We keep experiencing things with them because as we experience things with them, then we get to learn more, not just uh, facts about them, but about the way that they think, about the way that they live. And the more time we spend in prayer with God, the more time we spend reading his word, The more time we live in step with the Spirit, the more we are going to know God. And so on this point, I just want to read one passage, this one being Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, this is what he says in in verses 1 and 2. That's how you know this is a passage about contentment. (laughs) Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Come, everyone who thirsts. 
come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread? And your labor for what does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. He says, why are you spending your money on what's not going to satisfy you? Why are you spending your time? Why are you spending your life? Why are you looking at these things? Why are you far too easily pleased? That there are all these things in life that you can be putting your desire toward, this unquenchable desire, and we point it toward things. And he says, no, don't do that. That's not, that's not how this works. That's not what I gave that to you for. Rather, he says in verse six, seek the Lord while he may be found Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We talked about the thief on the cross. I mean, he got it. Come to the Lord, for he will abundantly pardon. The Lord will have compassion on us. That's who God is. And so we can, we can come before God with this, uh, this kind of modesty and say, oh, well, well, why would you pick me? Why would you have mercy? I'm, I'm too broken. I'm too poor. I'm too weak. And God says, no, I'm giving my food without payment. I'm giving, just come to me and I will give you what you desire. We say, oh God, how, how can that be? How can you be so good? And that's what verses eight and nine mean. When God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Humans don't act like this. They are not as gracious, as merciful, as kind, as generous as God is. But God's not like other people. He is so much better. As the heavens are higher than uh, the, the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways. Again, when you have a desire that is never satisfied, seeking to understand a God that is beyond understanding, that's the avenue that that is intended to go for. And so God says, seek me, pursue me. And of course, we see in the, almost the very last verse of the Bible that in Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. That's referencing this passage. And we know that God, he says, come. He wants to receive us. Jesus, we've talked about this morning in, uh, in the song service. Jesus is the bread of life. He is what we are all desiring. So let's go to him. And so this morning we've talked about contentment. We've come at it from a little bit of an odd angle. We've said the way to be content is to be discontent. The way to stop looking for more in life is to look for more in God, to seek him, to let your desire, which is unquenchable, be pointed toward God, to know more of God, to know more of his word, to be more diligent in his field, to be more transformed by him, more, more, more. That's where that is supposed to go. But I want to point out a very important distinction between earthly discontentment and spiritual discontentment. And that is that in earthly discontentment, if you just want more and more and more and you're never satisfied, you're not going to be happy because you can't, you never, you never get anything. You're just constantly hungry. But what's amazing about spiritual discontentment, spiritual desire for more and more and more, is 
that even while we are recognizing that I still want more holiness, more knowledge, more work, I want to know God more deeply, that somehow we still find happiness and contentment there. And it has something to do with the now, not yet, uh, of, of living awaiting the future glory, that somehow we have received glory even as we are pursuing it. Somehow we have received righteousness even while we are still pursuing it. And again, there's a little bit of a mystery there. But this is true, that if we have God, we have everything we need. And so as we live our lives seeking to pursue him, it is, it is vital for us to, to take our desire away from the things of this earth, to stop being far too easily pleased by the little desires of life and to point them toward God, to desire him with our whole heart, to want to know him more deeply. That is the solution to our problem of contentment. And so this morning, if you have a hole in your life that nothing in this world can fill, if you have a desire and you don't know what to do with it, Point it toward God. He can satisfy. He will abundantly pardon. And if we can help you with that, we would love to talk with you, uh, you know, study with you, baptize you, whatever you might need. If you have a need, please come forward as we stand and sing.